This is episode number 42. What makes you trust the people closest to you? With Elias Salahuddin. Welcome. My name is Oleg Lohid, and this is the Overcoming Odds Podcast, where you get a glimpse into the stories of individuals who have overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving their personal success. This podcast was built by you and for you to help you overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving your fullest potential. Before I introduce today's guest, I'd like to make a brief announcement and invite all of our listeners to our upcoming conference on December 8th in San Diego, a conference where you'll get a chance to hear from speakers from all over the country, a conference where you'll get a chance to connect with hundreds of people who are going through a similar transformation that you are. For more information, please go to overcomingodds.today forward slash embrace who you are. Now, let's get back to our guest. How does one develop trust? What are the elements that make up trust? He said, what I've seen in the past from my experience is trust really came from those who were consistent in my life. It is through consistency that we're able to tell whether or not people are fully invested in the relationship at hand. Without further ado, please welcome Elias Salahuddin. Elias, thank you so much for joining us on the show. And what I would like us to do is to start off with this topic of developing trust by having you answer the following question. How does one develop trust? And what are some of the elements that make up trust? Well, um... I mean, it's a lot to process, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think for f- developing in a week and a month, uh, in general, what I've seen in the past um, from my experience is trust really came from those who were consistent uh, in your life, right? So uh-huh. being in the foster care system, um, the thing in, in my situation, I didn't go from like to 10 different homes. You know, I was lucky that I grew up in, in an organization that had... Um, you know, I would say 200 kids, 100 girls, 100 boys. On one side of the campus was the girls, on the side of the campus was the boys. So we actually moved from cottage as you got older. Um, the parents stayed in one cottage, but the, the kids moved from different cottages depending on their age group. But okay. prior to that, I was mm-hmm. I, I, I was in a um, in a shelter for I don't know I don't know the time frame. It could have been a month two months or a year, but my first recollection was being in the shelter and then moving from the shelter to this children's home. Um, but with, with anyone that's been in the, in the foster care system, you've, you always have your guard up, right? And uh-huh. so developing trust really comes with just, um, you know, how consistent that adult was in your life. Okay. And then um, I think... Well, not that I think I know that you just kind of have this sixth sense when you're in the foster care system and you know when, you know, somebody is just like a good person, right? Or, you know, their personality resonates with you or just their consistency is, is how they, just pretty much how they treat you, you know, how you treat anyone, uh-huh. um, I think enables you to kind of you know, lower your guard a little bit, right? But, um, 
you know, for me, it's just, it was always the individuals that were consistent in my life, but also kind of um, exposing me and my foster siblings to like really cool stuff, right? Okay. Um, so there was a lot of cool programs that we were able to get involved in, and um, those programs were, you know, volunteers or they were a staff, uh-huh. and um, you know, by them showing up and pushing you to show up, um, encouraging you to be your best. Um, helping you really get out of your head, you know, as in, as in the foster care system, or just in general, I think everyone's in their head. Yeah. But having those those individuals in your life that really helped you just see the big picture in life um, and in any situation just really um, helped you to develop trust, right? Because, um, you know, we don't all see the big picture of, of why we're in certain situations. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, we just had a lot of good mentors and a lot of good tutors, and um, those mentors just really helped us to understand that where we were in life was temporary, right? And they helped us to see um, our potential in life, and um, they consistently gave us that same message. That was pretty much subliminal, right? Subliminal. It just took time as you matured to really um, uh, take that message and take what they gave to you. Um, that was genuine, and you know, as you got older, we 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 saw, um, yeah, yeah, we saw the you know the benefit of of having good people in our lives. Uh-huh. I want to take a step back and actually better understand why did you end up end up in foster care to begin with? Um, I don't know. I, I don't. I know. I have this vivid memory of being with my family in in Colorado, and then um, I don't. It was kind of like a dream. There was. Then my father was was taken away, and I don't know why. But I remember these men coming coming to the house, um, they, like brown cars, and he was gone. And then um, I think we bounced around like from relative um, relatives' homes, and then um, I don't know how we ended up in getting and this from was Colorado. You and your your cousin. Yeah, no, me and my me and my siblings, five siblings. So. Okay. Um, I don't know how we ended up in, in San Antonio, nor I don't know how I ended up in a children's shelter. But um, regardless, uh, where what I was, I was I was I was never a ward of the state, so the state never had custody of me. I was private placement, and so um, it's hard for you know I know it's it probably really hard for my mother to um, you know make that decision. But you can't raise five kids and work full time. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. So, yeah. you know, she had Each to make. Each one has a job of its own. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you wanted to make sure, like, we had, you know, a place to stay, food to eat, um, and resources. And you can't. If I, I mean, my father wasn't there, and and I don't know how she found this organization, but she found um, what's called the Baptist Child and Family Services. Okay. In San Antonio, and she placed us there, um, or went to the shelter, and then we she placed us there. But uh, I think it was the best decision that she made. Because you know she was still able to be part of our lives mm-hmm. and go on the weekends, right. um, but you know it was a, I, I mean, I, and it was a good home, um, and we had all the resources and the programs and the mentors that we needed, and so um, I, I consider myself lucky because I know the situation is not the same for many foster kids things. today. Yeah. So um, I just you know think I'm very blessed to be able to have had. A really positive foster care experience. Uh-huh. So jumping back from an experience like that, where you know you were with your siblings and you were traveling around mm-hmm. to that place, 
and the 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 theme of today's conversation is all about developing trust yeah so I'm assuming that when you grow up with siblings and your mom and things were normal to a degree yeah you had that trust or you never really had to worry about trusting anyone within your household what how did that change when you entered that you said it's a kind of like a group home right Mm mm-hmm when you went into that, did anything change all of a sudden in your mind saying, okay, now I'm in an environment with other kids, supervisors, and other professionals who don't know me and I don't know them. Mm-hmm. How do I trust them now? Or do I trust them at all? Well, I always trusted my parents, my mom, my mother. Um, I mean, there was, you know, uh, I, I didn't end up, it wasn't her fault that I ended up in the foster care system. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I think it stems back to my father, right? Right. Um, so, I mean, and she was she was consistent in my life. Like, every weekend she'd come and visit. Um, but being in that environment, it's kind of like uh, you just observe, right? Like, uh-huh. you, um, I think actions speak louder than words, right? So, yeah. like, there was a lot of, yeah, we had a lot of, you know, men- mentors. We had a lot of uh, caseworkers and administrators. But, you know, through... Um, yeah, just, just through certain, we interacted with a lot of them too. So um, there was just so many programs that we had that different volunteers that those administrators um, volunteered for, um, you know, just somewhere. It's just, it, I think it's just a relationship, right? You uh-huh. you had better relationships, some better than others. You got along better th- with some more than others. Or and we were a bunch of foster kids, so we would talk, right? <laughs> like who's cool or who's yeah. not cool or who's an asshole uh-huh. or who's strict, right? And so, um, I mean, there's 200 of us, right? Yeah. And so, I mean, just by, you know, we were, you know, brothers and sisters, you know, we didn't look the same, but um, in regards to, you know, what we all went through, we, you know, we fought at home, but when we went to school, you know, we protected <laughs> each other. But no, we would talk, right? We knew who was, you know, the, the cool foster parent or the cool administrator. So, um, Trust is your interaction was our interactions with these administrators or uh, mentors or tutors, but at the same time, you know, behind the scenes, like, like we knew, you know, who was like the one you needed to yeah. go to to get get something or um, or who would kind of like bend the rules for us, right? Uh-huh. Right, and so that's kind of organically how that 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 transition in regards to us um, building trust with others that were. Um, that were uh, uh, administrators. Interesting. Yeah. I want to take Yeah, that. and sometimes, I mean, we had regular visits with our counselors and, uh-huh. and our caseworkers, and so we were always in trouble. So the ones, you know, the ones that, like, gave us chances and, you know, you build trust, right? They, you know, but maybe it was part of their philosophy. We got in trouble. They, they gave us some chances, and, <laughs> and they were probably trying maybe to build, a, real, trying build to rapport with us, all. right? Exactly. Um, but, yeah, so um, there's just so many different facets of it, right? Uh-huh. So you mentioned one of the things that kind of stands out to me because that's very similar to my experience is just observing your, your environment. Yeah. I think once you can get a handle of your environment, then you can actually start to develop trust, not oh, only yeah. what's outside of you, but mm-hmm. within you. Mm-hmm. You're one of the people that I met with five or six months ago or something like that. Yeah. And when you started sharing your story, the thing that interested me the most was how did you develop trust within yourself in doing what you're doing right now? Mm. You know, you're one of the people that essentially had you used your story in a way to propel you forward mm. and then move you up the 
flatter towards the goal that you set for yourself. So when did it kind of all make sense in your mind as far as, okay, you started to believe in yourself, you said, I am capable of certain things, and now I'm going to use that story to build towards that larger goal. Mm. Well, I think I had an advantage that my peers at a young age, um, what I mean by that is, like living in foster care, um, there's this fight or flight, um, I guess, that you experience at a young age, right? Right. Um, so you're, you're cognizant about your environment, um, you're thinking about your next step, right? Um, um, there's this strategy that's just always, you're, you're, used, you're tapping into your, your mind strategically, right? Uh-huh. Um, so like, you, you're forced to survive, or you're, you're forced to, um, yeah, just to live life. Um, you're forced to take the cards that you're, you're dealt, um, and you just kind of deal with it, right? Uh, I had a mother that was, you know, although she she was very strong-willed, right? And so I think, you know, we, I'd, I'd, every weekend I'd be with her, and, you know, she just, she, like the mentors that I had in the foster care system, she always, um, you know, regardless of how poor she was, um, she, you know, she walked with her head high, and she did her best, right? And so um, I learned from that, right? I learned from her, and, and I can just continue to learn from the people that were in my life that, hey, you can accomplish anything. And so I kind of saw both worlds, right? I, when, but when also when I went home, mm-hmm. you know, it was a, you know, it wasn't the richest environment, but at the foster care system, I had more resources. So in my mind, I, I just kind of knew what I wanted. I didn't want to be poor. I didn't want, worlds. yeah, I, didn't, I saw both worlds. So I didn't want to, I knew I didn't want to be, grow up poor. I wanted more out of life and I wanted an education. So for me, it was just like living in two different worlds. Um, as a young kid, um, I just wanted more out of life. And then just with my peers, you know, just uh, um, I'd always encouraged, I mean, you know, that my peers in school, I mean, I would just, I was just always that kid that was. <laughs> Encouraging them to like, you know, just do your best and and you know be friendly and just be thankful and humble and so I don't know I just kind of always been that person and uh, so I guess it just clicked at a young age due to my situation. I I think if I didn't go through foster care, I'd probably be a different different Absolutely. kid. Yeah. So yeah. Um, for me, it's just like my environment allowed me to see things different you know mm-hmm. I just lived in two literally two different worlds right mm-hmm. um, at the same time my parents were Hispanic so um, I was exposed to Hispanic community my foster parents mm-hmm. um, I was exposed to the black community in the weekends with my mom and then I was always that kid that was in the boardroom um, for the for the organization that grew up in the foster care system and so you know, you know being exposed to you know white um, men and women in the board, like I was exposed to like leadership in the board. So I was exposed to so many different um, races and cultures that, I mean, just, it was kind of like, you know, tr- I was just learning and training and just that exposure just helped shape who I, who I am today. And so, um, you know, as I got mature, as I matured, then, then those, uh, th- that understanding just like clicked. So I mean, I, I can't put a, like a nail on it. Hey, this is when this things click, but it was just oh. being exposed to just so much at a young age um, allowed me just to, to be that, that mm-hmm. person I am today. I like that point because one of the things that I've 
had to deal with just from my personal perspective is that you know when you go into certain environments age is always a big factor mm -hmm. and I'm a huge believer and this is coming from someone who's younger so it's yeah. harder to communicate but I firmly believe that age is just a number you ha you are to a degree in control of the number of experiences you can create yeah that's true. and when you really think about it when we think of age we think okay this person is of this age, therefore he or she has X number of experiences. Yeah. So for me, my first 12 years when I was living in Russia, I, th I think I was put through at least 30 or maybe 40 years worth of experience. Yeah. You know, to be able to understand how do you find food when you're five or six years old, mm -hmm. or how do you deal with situations when you see so much um, abuse and so many graphic images. Um, images like how do you overcome a lot of that yeah so I you, it's a good good thing that you brought that up because that's something that I've tried to communicate to people is that age is just a number mm -hmm. right now you can create thousands of experience in a year versus someone who is 10 years older than you and may not be able to do the same thing in that one year so I think what what's interesting within this this experience is that it has put us through so many different environments and obstacles, mm -hmm. and I think souls, the people that came into your life, yeah. and you know, helped, we talked about ex exposure and kind of <clears throat> molding you into who you've become today. Mm -hmm. A lot of it had to do to different people. Yeah. The good yeah. and the bad. Mm -hmm. The good and, and the bad. People, yeah. people of all walks of life walked into you and you said, okay, this is what I could do. This yeah. is what not to do. Yeah. This yeah. is the ideal version of a person that's trying yeah. to become me. Or the Foster Brothers said, leave that, that administrators. Nah, it's not the one you want to hang out with. <laughs> they're <Exactly>. crazy. <laughs> or exactly. no, they're, they're like, no, we always had coins, but we just, we take, you know, we, we, we would uh, definitely help each other out, you know, in regards to just even, even if, you know, the times were, you know, one was bullied, you know, we, we called the other guy to come in and, yeah. and um, help, you know, just protect us. So we were always protecting each other uh, uh -huh. on a daily basis. And we, like I said, we fought a lot, but like we were, that's true. Uh, we, were, we were, we were, we were blood. We were pretty much blood, man. It was, it's interesting. That's amazing. We all keep in touch now. You know, we, we have this private social media, um, Facebook group. So um, we all keep in touch and we just had our second sibling reunion uh, last month, so <laughs> it's, it's, awesome. it's been pretty cool, yeah. That's awesome. What were you most afraid of when it came to sharing your story? Um, it, it's not the fact that I was afraid. It's, you know, it's, it's kind of like uh, there are certain experiences that people just really don't, it's hard to um, share to where they, 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 they can thoroughly understand. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, you understand because you went through it, right? But um, just growing up in a foster home with 200 kids, you know, for the for 15 years, like, you know, how do you concisely share that journey um, that to to where it moves people to um, want to get involved or mm. um, where it moves people to you know take action? Um, you got to understand, not everyone cares about like foster care. <laughs> Yeah. That's one thing. Like I think I had to figure out. Like every individual has a certain cause that they care about, and so I think for me is um, so it wasn't just fear. It was one just you know understanding that not everyone cares. Um, but what I needed to do is find the people who did care, who do care, 
and get them involved. And the second thing, you know, it's like you get to the point where it's kind of like you've gone through that that obstacle or the challenges and and you just kind of want to like put it to the side and just like not show um, everyone what you've been through, you know, uh-huh. just be vul- like being vulnerable is um, something that I, I've had to learn how to do. Uh-huh. Um, but for a while, and I think the fear was was more of like, um, yeah, just exposing your yourself to like like what you've gone through and and not meeting people that you probably that you, you connected with, but they just didn't really care about like that past, right? Uh-huh. So, um, so I don't know. It's it's, it's so kind of wanted just to put it to the side and just kind of li- live life and yeah. not everyone are, you know know who what I went through you know it's kind and those who are interested will ask you questions yeah, yeah. you know it's it's hard right it's deep right it's it's yeah. it's really deep to you know our past is is something that's like you just can't it's it's just like it's hard to swallow right like yeah. for for most people you know they're intrigued but but you know you got to be careful like you know being vulnerable you just I think for me it was just you had to build trust with those individuals before you shared like what you've gone through mm-hmm. you know you, you know so for me it's, for now I don't care like I, I'll tell I talk to anyone and tell right. them but you know there was a period in my life when I was younger that I didn't want people to know what I went through you know mm-hmm. so yeah so do you have any advice for people who are in a similar position to maybe when you were when you were younger and trying to develop that trust and become vulnerable with sharing their experience. Like what, what kind of made sense in your eyes and through your own experience, what worked and what didn't when it came to sharing that. And then also, you know, you bring up a good point with making it relatable to other people. Mm-hmm. Like where the, how, did, how did that make sense in your mind as far as, okay, where do I even start with this? What's the first thing that I share? Can break that, break that, break that down a little bit. What, so what, what I'm trying to say is when you were beginning to share your experience, in your mind, where did you start? What was the first point that made sense? Okay, if I start with this point, then this person may understand this. Then I can lead them to point two, then three, then four. You know, you may not, obviously you may not, or you, you might have started this way, mm-hmm. but you may not start with the most horrific experience. Yeah. Because then that's going to create fear and it's going to make them feel uncomfortable. I think for me, what when I really started sharing my stories was, was the different jobs that I had mm-hmm. to where, you know, I'm a fundraiser. And so um, I think I've had like one, I, I have to have a lot of one-on-one conversations. Uh-huh. And people ask me, well, why do you do the work that you do? And so for me, you know, I've got to be honest, right? So I share um, with them, but at the same time, I give a lot of presentations, um, and so I'm a lot more vulnerable now than I w- when I was when I was younger. So for me, it was it's like w- where you start depends on like what do you what do you want to accomplish personally with your story. I mean, uh-huh. the thing is, you're not just walking around telling everyone I I grew up in foster care. Right. Um, you're either you know it, it either fits in your your profession or fits in some type of uh, leadership development that you're a part of, okay. um, or fits in if you're just a pub, you're growing to be a public speaker. So, I think you got to figure out like where does your story fit fit um, in regards to like what you're doing in your life, and um, and and so the start is like you just got to practice right and get uh-huh. f- 
practice and get feedback, you know, um, practice and get feedback. And, um, and it's always scary, right? Like even going on stage still, I mean, I still, oh, yeah. it's still scary, but um, when you practice, it just comes out fluidly. Um, but I think you just, uh, yeah, it's, it's, you've just got to learn how to concisely share your past um, but in a moving way, right? Mm -hmm. And in a way where you connect with the audience mm -hmm. um, and they have a way to get back involved with you. Mm -hmm. And so that's really hard to kind of explain, but yeah. I mean, I don't know where you just, re you really start to, you gotta figure out where you wanna go and then kind of go the from there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And for me, a lot of it was with my work. I, mm -hmm. I started sharing more, you know, mm -hmm. the different jobs that I've had. Mm -hmm. What I've learned through this is that one of the things that is true at least from my experience is your story is always going to evolve yeah and i think what's important, depending on the audience right depending yeah. on the audience yeah, correct? definitely and what i've learned is that the more i started to share my story and actually dissect the different themes within it mm -hmm. i actually ended up creating 50 or 100 times more content yeah i because i didn't even know like when i started to dig deeper into okay how did I develop trust? Yeah. What was my relationship with my birth, uh, my birth parents, um, adopted parents, and things like that? And so within it, it's like all of these elements just started to stick out, and I, and then I looked at it. And yeah. Like, I didn't even know that. <laughs> like, I didn't even know it worked out this way. And then so I'd have conversations with my uh, first, uh, what, my first teacher in the states, sixth grade teacher who taught me English. Huh. And I would ask him like, Why did you do it? How did you do it? You know how like how did you know that doing this was going to pan out into this type of action yeah and so I think the more you get curious about your story and like you said if, as long as you have the why mm -hmm. you know I'm sharing my story to educate to yeah. raise awareness mm -hmm. to accomplish a specific goal in a career mm -hmm. then it really evolves into different things and what I've learned from people outside of foster care and, and adoption from a lot of public speakers is that I think there is a tendency to stay mm -hmm. with one story mm -hmm. and like one speech in one format. Yeah. And that's not to say there's anything wrong within it, but my goal as someone who is listening or someone who's speaking on, on, on that particular subject is to always evolve it. Yeah. Because the, the hope is that, you know, what if you are in the, in the audience for the second or third time? You don't want to hear the same exact thing yeah because the whole purpose I think from a speaker perspective is you want to be able to not only inspire but change people's lives yeah so the more that you're changing the more that you're gonna help them change yeah you know a lot of speakers like I'm, I'm listening and it's it's phenomenal content but then it's like okay I've already heard this for the tenth time yeah I'm not getting any other additional values or segues to explore so I think it's important to have the why, and then from there, just know that your story is gonna evolve. Yeah, and, and, let I, it evolve. and why it was like I figured out that. It's not that I figured out. I knew that when I got to a certain maturity in life, that my my lifestyle, or not my lifestyle, my past really moved people to mm -hmm. want to be um, to get involved. Right? Uh, not everyone, but you know, a lot of folks, and. Um, Yet the important thing is human beings want to, um, they innately want to help others, right? Yeah. Um, they want to save the world. They want to build something. Yeah. They want to create something. They want to save something. Um, they want to be part of some type of movement or mission. Uh -huh. um, 
and I'm specifically talking about philanthropy, but not everyone knows those next steps, right? And right. so um, I just feel that, I, that I'm lucky that I'm in an environment where I can meet with individuals from all walks of life and all, all different professions and help them get involved with either what I'm doing or, or redirect them to, to any, any, something else, right? But um, yeah, I've just learned over over the years that everyone wants to do something good yeah. in life, right? Um, so um, at least we hope so, right? Yeah, we hope so, right? <laughs> uh, or they they have good intentions, yeah. right? Um, so uh, so yeah, that's so that's why you know I kind of figure that's that's the role I want to be playing for yeah. you know the rest of my life. That's awesome. Final thought for today's episode: that is, when the odds are completely against you, mm-hmm. what are some core fundamental principles that you mm-hmm. always refer to? Um, when the odds are against me, um, I usually I don't panic. <laughs> okay. I step back. Um, just like I kind of go into like, you know, how I was in when I was early early days of the foster care, is I observe the the situation, and and my mind pretty much goes into solution mode. Um, now I have people that um, I don't always have to make that 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 decision. I have people now that I that I can call. Um, uh-huh. And get get advice from. Um, ultimately, it's your 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 decision. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I, I step back, uh, I come up with you know three or four solutions, um, and then I'll call someone for my my close friends for advice, um, and kind of see how they they all line up and kind of bounce those ideas off, and then I make a make a decision. Yeah. Wow. So that's kind of the way I, I do it now. So, but when I was a kid, you know, I used to just uh, step back and. Uh, Think about the uh, the options and then make that decision, right? Mm-hmm. Sometimes it didn't plan out the way I yeah. I thought it did, but yeah. I learned, yeah, yeah. Uh, or it did, right? And uh-huh. then I learned yeah. <laughs> that that worked. So that's that's kind of how I roll now. Yeah. I like yeah. that. I'm I'm the same exact way. I always try and get to solution mode as fast as possible. Yeah, I think yeah. once you can get to that state of being where you understand, okay, this mm-hmm. is a problem or an adversity. But so what? Yeah. It's just like in the problems the past however many years. Yeah. Or it's not any different than the one yesterday. Yeah. Or the week before. So I think the faster you can step into mm-hmm. that perspective and, and acknowledge it as a problem, but then from there figure out what's the first step that I can take yeah. to solving that problem. Yeah, that's true. But, you know, we're no longer in foster care, so it doesn't have to be that quick, right? So yes. we have friends and Correct. colleagues that, are, Correct. that that could help us really dissect the, the solutions that you have to, uh-huh. to where it's, it's the, the best decision for you or whatever you're trying to do. So, awesome. um, so I feel, I mean, so to kind of wrap it up with, with trust, you know, I've just got a lot of trusted friends now um, that uh, I've built over the years. And some of those friends are um, a lot older than me, some of them are my age. Um, we all have, all have different life experiences, um, but um, in a nutshell, we're all like trying to do good Mm-hmm. And um, we're, all, we're all from different uh, professions, and it just pays to have good people in your life. And that's one. Yeah. It's really hard to. That's really hard to teach, right? And I think uh, for for younger adults or just adults in the foster care system, that um, you know your percentage of the people that you hang out with, and um, you gotta to progress in life. You gotta be around the right people. Yeah. Um, you gotta have the right mindset, but also you gotta. Right, 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 yeah. right, support crew. So um, yeah. that's one of the things that I, I carry on my sleeve and I try to do. Um, and so, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you. Thanks, dude. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's great. It's great. Thank you. Yeah.
Thank you all for listening to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. If you haven't done so already, feel free to subscribe to our weekly newsletter so you can receive all of our latest episodes, featured stand-up and speak-up stories, and ways you can be involved with Overcoming Odds. Once again, thank you for listening, and we'll look forward to having you next week.